What's up, everyone? Uh, it's been about a year since Justin and I started doing this podcast together, and we're really excited to launch our Patreon page, where we'll be doing uh, more interviews, more album deep dives, some other fun things. Here's a little clip from our Meriwether deep dive episode, which you can hear in its entirety right now up on patreon.com slash bonefishpod. For this first one, we go track by track through the album. We talk about early live versions of the songs, the different samples they use in the tracks, and, you know, just geek out. So if you want more Bonefish in your life, that is the place to find it. But also, today on the regular feed, we have another new episode, uh, an interview with the writer Larry Fitzmorris, also about Meriwether Post Pavilion. It should be right below this one on the Bonefish feed. So be sure to check that out. And then, yeah, for the full Meriwether Deep Dive episode, you can find that on Patreon. Thanks a lot and enjoy. I mean, so this came out, what, January 6th? Six days into 2009. This record was deemed the best (laughs) album of the year. Now, you could say, well, it was only six days into the year. Nothing else was coming out. But this was already being declared as like, nothing will top this this year. Everyone else pack up shop. And we were a week into the year. So that's just a little context for the insane amount of hype and hype that delivered for for this album. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we we talk a lot about the hype with the interview we did with Larry, but I guess it sort of implied how like this was yeah, the maybe the most hyped record of the time, but also just yeah, delivered and then some on every every expectation that was placed upon it which was a lot. Released January 6th. Also, it was supposed to be released like at the end of that month, but uh, they pushed it forward because of the leak. Uh-huh. I also didn't realize that, I know there was like something with like Brian's phone or whatever. Someone also like hacked his email and emailed a bunch of his like close friends in order to get it to leak. Like acted as Brian and was like, hey, like, hey guys, like a couple of songs have leaked. Like, we really don't like single songs being out there. So just, like, do me a favor. Just, like, leak the whole record so that people can at least, like, listen to it in its entirety. Like, I didn't realize that was the extent of the deception. It's like... Oh, is that what it was? I thought the band actually wanted the whole thing to leak, but they didn't. That no, was just, like, that, uh, that, that's like an op. That was that an was, op. Yeah, that's what was reported. <laughs> but it, he was later like, yeah, I never did that. I did not want this album to leak. Wow. Like, <laughs> Just like so fucked up if you think about it. Like, okay, I'm like a massive Animal Collective fan. I'm going to like deceive their close friends <laughs> into like getting this early and free. Man, some people. Yeah. Some people. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And yeah, and one way of looking at the sort of creative origin of Meriwether is take an indie rock freak folk band and, and take away their guitarist and give them two weeks to write new songs without him. Uh, this quote here from Dave Portner via Quietus. He says, with Fields and Strawberry Jam, we got stuck with the electric guitar thing because Josh is primarily a guitar player, a really good guitar player. So we saw losing him as an opportunity to make music without the electric guitar. 
another quote from Brian. He says, with this one, we were all really nervous when we started to write it. Josh wasn't going to go on tour. So we were like, we have two weeks to write enough songs to play a set without Josh. It was really nerve wracking. It came together really quickly. From those first few practices, it was like, we're onto something I didn't see coming. It came out of nowhere and it's great. And it's weird. I mean, I know they, I know, you know, they, they wrote these songs, toured them a bunch, recorded them and mixed them over a long period of time. So they definitely had like a period of gestation and evolving and changing too, especially when you hear early live cuts. Some of the songs changed a lot. Some of them didn't really. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy thinking that like all the seeds were written in like a two week sprint, like literally in between tours, just like, okay, we're finishing one. Josh isn't doing the next one. Like, let, like, what do we have? But yeah, they I mean, they just, yeah, they were tour tight and at their just sort of creative zenith firing on all cylinders, it seems. <laughs> 